Hey, hi, hello, friends. Welcome to episode five of Breaking Bell, the podcast where I share crazy personal stories and cover TMI lifestyle topics. Before we dive in, I just want to put a trigger warning before this episode as I will be discussing mental health and touching on topics like depression, self-harm, and suicide. These topics may be triggering, so please listen at your own comfort and discretion. If you are currently in need of help, please reach out to your local prevention hotline and or resource. I will be providing information in the description of this podcast as well as over on my Instagram at bellnotbella. So let's get started. It's Breaking Bell. Leave a message. Okay, so today we are taking a break from the dating and hookup stories and getting real with a topic that is very near and dear to my feeble little heart. I need to preface that this episode's purpose is just to share my personal experiences and overall journey with mental health. I believe that the more open we are in discussing these topics, the more we can continue to remove that stigma surrounding it. Over the years, I've become more and more comfortable sharing my story because I've truly accepted it as part of me. There's no hiding this side of me and I'm very aware that my social media portrays a different person than what this podcast episode may entail. Please note that for any person posting on social media, specifically if you're a creator, influencer, or internet personality, you need to understand that we choose what you see. We decide what to put out there online, knowing what type of post, story, or caption is going to help grow our personal brand and engagement. So knowing this, you probably won't see the 80% that goes on behind the scenes. You won't be seeing the breakdowns, the bad days, the long nights. Like, sure, you'll probably get a snippet of it, maybe a short update on why we've been MIA or that we haven't been feeling well, but majority of the time, a lot of this is not publicly broadcasted. I'm about to get very deep and personal into my journey from how it all started to where I am today. This may be a long episode, but for those who will ride the whole wave, thank you. I truly am appreciative of all your support and getting all this positive feedback and just all of your comments and messages. It really does mean a lot to me. So thank you. Thank you so much. But all right. So I guess the best place to start would be the beginning. Why am I the way I am? At first glance of my social media and just meeting me in person or having a chat with me, you'll probably gather that I'm outgoing, quirky, and just all over the place. I love being unapologetically myself and spreading love and positivity, but that's not what goes on internally all the time. And I think some of us can relate when I share that I was a very happy child up until middle school when I was first exposed to cyberbullying. There were these girls that I was friends with at the time. We formed a dance group, we had group chats, we did the whole sleepover thing. And then one day, after a misunderstanding over some failed plans to meet up, these girls decided to turn on me for whatever reason and bring everyone onto their side. It was like the movie Mean Girls where I was 
Katie, Caddy Heron. <laughs> the plastics took me in and liked me at first, but then one thing happened and then it was all downhill from there. There was one girl out of the four who was especially meaner than the rest, but I know now after 24 years that the bullies are usually the ones who have a whole lot more going on in their lives that all they do in order to cope is to project their insecurities and hate onto someone who is seemingly weaker than them. So this was grade seven. I was 12 years old. I will never forget the girls' names, faces, and how they made me feel. That one girl who pretty much assumed the position of the leader did her worst with me. As soon as things were falling apart after this failed plan to hang out with some friends, she started posting Facebook statuses about me saying mean things. Like I didn't understand why because I simply said that I didn't want to hang out with her and her random other friends because I wasn't comfortable and here I was being targeted for that. And I didn't even make a big deal out of it or say anything rude besides, sorry, I don't want to go anymore. Like, make it make sense, please. She was calling me a loser, saying I was stupid, went into the group chat, which had like eight to ten people who like we were all friends with, like male and female, and proceeded to call me out for canceling because I was being quote unquote little bitch, a pussy. Like, I'm sorry that at 12 years old, I had insecurities and didn't feel comfortable hanging out around all your random friends who I don't know at all and speak a language that I also don't know. Like they were all Korean and most of them didn't speak English. So how much of an outcast would I feel on top of being uncomfortable and very quiet in nature at the time? Just to add back in middle school, so this was like grade seven to nine, I was very, very insecure and very sensitive. And this was mostly because of the whole cyberbullying and leaving elementary school where I had so many friends and then coming to a new school where, you know, none of my friends had transferred over to this middle school. I had horrible social anxiety. I would never pick up the phone at home when it rang because I was scared to talk to people. I'd hate ordering food at a restaurant and I would never speak up to raise my concerns about anything. Like people didn't understand. I thought I was just being annoying, but no, I had horrible social anxiety and just didn't want to engage or interact with other people. I'd literally get a panic attack just thinking about asking the McDonald's employee for an extra packet of ketchup. No cap. <laughs> Anyways, so things got worse because I was also seeing her at school and she sat near me because alphabetically her last name was close to mine and she was in my homeroom. Which for those who don't know, that's basically like your home base in school, like the first place you go to in the mornings for like 10 to 15 minutes before uh, dispersing into other classes. So yeah, there was no avoiding her because not only was she in my homeroom, she was also in a few other classes with me. I believe it was like English, art, and gym that we shared. The other girls were also in like many of my other classes, but not all of them were together at once. But can you imagine how much of a shit show that would be if it were the case? Oh boy, I would not have survived middle school, but yeah, so I would see her every day at school, tolerate her teasing and just being rude to me verbally. She never did anything to me physically, like knocking books out of my hand, but it was all verbal and cyber. 
So when I would get home, she would invite me to group chats on MSN, um, which is a messenger platform used back then, back in my day, (laughs) with um, the other three girls and just started spamming me, calling me names, telling me to speak up, um, saying I'm worthless. And every time I would leave the group chat, she would just invite me back. The whole time she would be updating her messenger status, literally with my name in it, saying something hurtful. And even though you could block people on MSN, I wasn't like quick at reacting to doing that because it was four girls doing this to me on rotation at once. Like I block one and then the other would just create a whole new group chat and just spam these horrible mean things to me. So, you know, by the time I ended up blocking everyone, I was just like, I might as well just let them say their piece and let it hurt me, right? But I remember this night like it was yesterday um i was sitting on the floor of my room i was bawling my eyes out i was so okay i might get a little bit emotional here um she was doing a lot of damage but she didn't care she was feeding off the victory of seeing me break down i just let this girl continue sending me the messages and adding me into the chats i was very very sensitive and a pushover i let people take advantage of me and so i never fought back i never stood up for myself because i was genuinely scared to like i didn't even curse like swear until much much later in life um so i don't know like i was so scared and i don't know what i was scared of but i guess i just didn't want to get in trouble for fighting back which was naive of me, but you know, it's okay. Like we didn't know at the time children don't know what to do when they experience this for the first time. I was in so much pain emotionally that I started to feel numb. I couldn't feel pain anymore. And okay, guys, this is where we're going to get a little dark and morbid. So if you really can't handle, please skip ahead like one minute. Um, But when you're majorly depressed and get to the stage of uh, being numb, you find other ways to help you cope and understand the pain. I resorted to self-harm at first because I wanted to feel something. I wanted to feel how much this situation was physically hurting me to alleviate the stressors that I was feeling emotionally. I wanted to escape the suicidal thoughts by distracting myself with something that was quote-unquote less harmful. Like, where's the 12-year-old logic? Clearly not there. Like, we're just 12, come on. So don't come for me. This is probably really hard for people who have never been in this place before to understand, but I'm sure for those who have, you know exactly what I mean. After that night, It was like I was never the same again, and I was never the same until much, much later in life. Like, I'm talking at least 10 years after that incident that night. And just to add, I did have two close friends, close best friends back then, but they didn't go to my school, which obviously made things harder for me to deal with. But I remember telling them about what happened as it was happening because... I knew that if I kept it all to myself at 12 years old, like, I would most definitely submit into doing something irreversible that I would regret. 
I honestly have them to thank for being alive today because they have kept me in check throughout every single one of my episodes. Like, biggest shout out, especially to Catherine, who has literally been there for me from the very, very start until today. I love you. Hope you are doing well with studying for your exams. (laughs) After being severely cyberbullied by these girls, I became very sensitive, like even more sensitive than before. Like the oceans are literally filled with my tears. I produced that water that you are all swimming in. (laughs) Because I cried so much growing up, I would cry at the smallest inconveniences now. Like I became, or at the time, I became so fragile so quickly that I couldn't even understand who I was becoming. It was like nothing was making me happy. I continued through middle school trying to keep my head up, but it wasn't until I got into high school. Um, So a different school than middle school because that's how Canadian school systems are. Your elementary school is like junior kindergarten, senior kindergarten, all the way up to grade six. And then middle school is grade seven to nine and high school is grade 10 to 12. And then university is four years, typically, um, unless you choose to do co-op or uh, other programs. But, you know, it wasn't until I got into high school that things were a little bit better, but also a lot shittier. (laughs) I was reunited with a lot of my friends from elementary school, but because everyone already formed their cliques, I was kind of stuck with the girls that I became close with in grade 9, which, by the way, again, one of the girls was part of the original cyberbully squad, but some of the other girls in this group also became very toxic in my life. There were probably like seven to eight of us. Um, But yeah, quick story on that. Like when I say toxic, this is what I mean by toxic female friendships. These girls literally pulled a whole ass intervention on a school trip we had to Quebec, um, targeting my closest friend in the group at the time for suspecting she was a lesbian and forcing her to admit it to them. Like, what is wrong with teenage girls? Like, how are you going to sit someone down on one side of the room while everyone else targeting her is sitting on the other asking if she's a lesbian? I can't. Like, I... It's interesting because she was the one who was being targeted first and then I was brought in later. Like, I was in the shower when that was happening. Then when I came out, they, like, saw me. They're like, oh, you're next. So I was like, what? They sat me down next to the girl and then they started, like, um, you know, having a whole intervention with me about spending time with, with my boyfriend or something at the time. It was just crazy. Like, these girls were so toxic. And again, I'm not saying I don't have faults and that I haven't made mistakes, but that was just the most unbelievable thing I have ever witnessed. But let's fast forward after like the first year of high school. Uh, I was very involved in school. I was part of the basketball and volleyball team every year since like middle school. I would do sports intramurals every lunch period. So like dodgeball, like handball, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I was part of the yearbook committee, the business council, like honestly just doing the mostest to have a dazzling set of accomplishments when applying for university. (laughs) But I also really did enjoy doing all those things. And through all the new things that I was part of, I met a new group of girls. And I think it was like 12 or 15 of us, like a huge friend group. And we had a nickname for the group and it was called FAM 2.0. 
and these girls were honestly lit like everyone was so different but we all shared the same sense of humor personalities and a love for all things related to boys and the disney family channel <laughs> we had sleepovers barbecues movie nights we hosted a whole fashion show together at school did like dance shows at school for like multicultural month um we went to house parties like it was a good time unproblematic for the most part and I think this group of friends was a turning point for me because I finally found people who genuinely accepted me for all the weird that I am and nobody was ever out to get the other. I only maintain communication with a few of the girls from this group now, but that's just how things go. People change and grow up. They will have their opinions. Rumors will be spread. Drama ensues guess over time that's what happens with a huge friend group of girls but i have no regrets about it all uh i wish everyone well if you're listening to the podcast also while on the topic of high school and my depression just being like crazy bipolar can i also mention that in grade 11 so when i was 16 years old i dated this guy who legitimately told me he wouldn't care if I killed myself. Whew. Like, we were fighting over text and he responded with that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't know what kind of guys I'm attracting in my life, but that just ain't it, y'all. Abort mission. Ugh. But anyways, skipping forward to the moment where I realized I needed help, really came through to me upon my last year in university before starting a full-time job. That was a whole lot of other problems to deal with and unfortunately for me it just got worse but this time it wasn't about friendships. It was me being majorly depressed about my career and really boys. Ugh, the death of me. Like why? Why did the universe decide that boys would be my weakness <sighs> so what led me to finally open up to my doctor about needing therapy was the aftermath of falling in love with someone i met on vacation who broke my heart to resorting to you guessed it a dating app to try to forget and move on this guy was so toxic for me and presented so many red flags but i just kept ignoring him and ignoring, thinking that I could change his way of being. Public service announcement, ladies and OGs, you can't change a person. They will be whoever they want to be on their own terms, so don't even think you have any sort of influence, especially early on with a loser, low-value person from a dating app. Anyways, this guy was originally from the states and was only in the city because he was playing football for university here like why would you come to toronto to play college football when it's like actually a thing in the states no shade but like just like that situation was just weird but anyways this guy never treated me well after like the first date but i just stuck around because i filtered out a handful of guys already and he seemed the most persistent to want to meet out of the rest bad logic isabel bad bad logic 
once we were seeing each other more often, he became so comfortable that he treated me like trash. I would go over and we'd like hang out and hook up and then at the end of the night, he wouldn't even bother walking me to the train or to my car. He would just be in bed like, okay, bye. No, did you get home safe? Like no care whatsoever if I got snatched in that 10 minute walk in the middle of the night to the sketchy subway in downtown Toronto. If you know, you know. And if I ever stayed over, he would be a little bitch baby in the morning forcing me to make him breakfast. Like he would literally chant, make me breakfast, make me breakfast. Ew, like I'm actually gonna throw up right now. He was like the type of guy who thought he was all that making me like his little like bitch like doing his eyebrows i literally did his eyebrows making him food cleaning up paying for our dates because he couldn't find a job or more so didn't really care to get a part-time job until like much later and yes yes i know you're all going to come for me by saying that i shouldn't have given girlfriend advantages perks before being a girlfriend because now he will never commit and trust me i know that very very well now but i didn't realize it at the time because i would much rather hold on to the situation shit than lose the loser honestly such a mistake on my part i hated myself for letting him treat me that way not to mention i had a pregnancy scare and when i brought this up to him he was like you better not be. And then I'm like, okay, but what if I am? And do you know what he replies? This guy sends me two emojis, an airplane emoji and a peace sign. (sighs) Yup, you, you can see the kind of trash I somehow get myself associated with. Like, ugh, but No, you guys, I dropped him after that incident, but only took him back, okay, only took him back after like a while of ignoring his lame attempts at an apology. So this was like over a month, like I did not speak to him, I did not respond to any of his messages. And then us, like our reconciliation of our situation shit um, ended again shortly afterwards because he couldn't figure out what he actually wanted and was just in a state of loss, was dealing with mental illness and needed my help to cope and missed my presence so he really just hit me up again because he i guess realized what he lost and just used and abused me for his benefit and i got nothing in return so as you can see like there was a lot going on here and it was dealing with this piece of shit low value boy not man boy on top of being in my final year of university like this was just upon graduation and me working in hr part-time nine to five at a bank that i previously interned at among like a bunch of other personal life issues like it was just not the time for me and eventually it just all became too much and the cherry on top was him having the audacity to treat me like shit after everything i did for him helping him find jobs buying him gifts always going out of my way to see him make him food groom him literally why was i so clueless at the time i'm so frustrated (laughs) but then i broke 
everything just hit and I was back to feeling nothing. I had no emotions. I felt extremely suicidal. The thoughts would not escape me. And keep in mind, this wasn't the first time that I felt suicidal. This was just the first time that I felt suicidal and couldn't get myself out of that state permanently on my own. Like, usually I can push myself, but this time I couldn't fight it. One minor inconvenience, and I would want the quickest solution to eradicate pain. I literally cried myself dry, exhausted all emotion and energy that all I would do is go wherever I needed to go, do whatever I needed to do, be to myself, and then go home and write. As my form of therapy, um, I would write about what I was feeling, trying to understand it, and then talk to my best friend who has urged me to go see a therapist for like the last 10 to 11 years where I was suffering, but I never did because again, I was scared to. I didn't know if I was going to successfully get the help that I needed and I was afraid to face diagnosis and overall become this medicated robot who felt like I would need to rely on medication for the rest of my life to feel happy again. Which is not the case, by the way. This is just how I felt at the time and my assumptions on what would happen to me personally. But when I finally told my best friend that I was going to commit to getting help, I made her hold me to it, hold me accountable. I knew that I would have to muster up enough courage to do this alone because she lives like in the States, like she couldn't come with me. Um, I made an appointment to see my doctor who, by the way, was a new one I just switched to. So we didn't have any kind of previous personal relationship. So you can imagine how nervous I was that day. And I believe it was after work. Like I probably left early to make it to this appointment before the doctor's office closed. And there I was in the waiting room receptionist and doctor thinking I was in for a regular checkup but it was the day that honestly pivoted my life in the direction that it needed to go. I was escorted into the room and waited patiently for the doctor to come in. The anxiety was building up inside me. I didn't know how I would go about telling her. I didn't plan this like I thought about it but I just didn't know if I'd be able to execute. But as soon as she came in and asked me how I was doing, I started to break down right then and there. You know when you're literally on the edge and someone asks if you're okay and then that triggers the waterworks? (laughs) Yes, I am notorious for being that person. It all just came out of me. I told her how I was feeling very depressed and numb lately And she probed by asking some basic questions like, how long, from what, um, are you feeling like harming or are you suicidal, etc. And when she got an idea of my state, she immediately started the paperwork to fax on over to my local hospital to get help. She told me that my file would be flagged as like an emergency or high priority so that I could get the help that I needed right away. She continued to tell me how I should be proud of myself for how brave I was in sharing that and trust me. I felt so good after leaving that office that evening. Like I was walking home, felt like an entire weight was lifted off my chest. 
after holding all of this in for 10 to 11 years and finally seeing hope and getting help. I remember the next two weeks were filled with a lot of hope, happiness, but also stress because I received a call from the hospital stating that they're very backed up in seeing patients in the mental health and addictions clinical department so that I wouldn't be able to get an appointment and see anyone until September. It was March. You could see where the hope was quickly diminished, and I was back to being sad and helpless for those two days after the call until I got a follow-up letting me know that there was actually an opening for me to see a psychologist, therapist, and social worker in the next week. And now the excitement and sense of hope was back. I was super ecstatic for my first appointment because that meant we could finally get on with receiving help. And I'd never known how eager I was until getting that news. It's crazy because I suffered for almost a decade not knowing that this is how things would have played out for me. And had I known then, I probably would have pushed myself to do it sooner. But I believe that things are supposed to happen at a certain time in life. And this was my time. So in summary of my therapy, I conducted it at my local hospital every other week on a Tuesday morning for about an hour before work for about four to five months. So around this time, I just finished my final exams in my last year of university at the end of March, and then I fully transitioned into full-time like right away. And my team and manager were super supportive and understanding of my situation, which I was so thankful for because a lot of workplaces won't be as lenient and accepting of, you know, your situation. And my therapist decided on CBT as my treatment, which stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, which in CAMH's definition, so the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, um, their definition is that CBT is a structured, time-limited, problem-focused, and goal-oriented form of psychotherapy. CBT helps people learn to identify and question and change how their thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs relate to the emotional and behavioral reactions that cause them difficulty. So for me, it was a lot of exercises on noting down my triggers, thoughts, and behaviors or reactions, and understanding why one thought would lead to another. So essentially getting to the root of the trigger and finding alternative ways to react that are healthier. I will say that as each session went by, I personally didn't feel any noticeable changes mentally um, or emotionally. Like, I guess it was just a little bit more of like a sense of calmness. But I just really saw the whole experience at the beginning um, as me sharing my struggles with a stranger and letting it out face to face with someone as opposed to over messages or on the phone with my best friend. Like, it was really therapeutic in and of itself, but... Upon completing my sessions with her, I really took the time to reflect on everything that happened in the last four to five months and was quite shocked because I thought about the things that were happening 
in my personal life and how I didn't react to things the way that I normally would have. Like, if I used to freak out about a guy ghosting me, for example, like, I didn't care at all now. Like, it was one less thing or person I had to deal with, like, the trash taking itself out kind of energy and vibe I had going for me, aka BDE, big dick energy. (laughs) It was crazy because I didn't really reflect until the end to notice all these changes and I'm honestly someone who constantly advocates for mental health because I've been through the depths of it, got help and came out obviously not 100% healed but definitely with a better and stronger mindset and coping mechanisms towards these issues. Now, I did get prescribed two antidepressants, but I never took them. I figured that I was doing so well on my own with a CBT, staying strong and pushing myself to really utilize my brain power to get myself out of difficult mental states and didn't feel comfortable adding in an external factor that I wouldn't be certain about controlling. This is very subjective to the person. My best advice on, you know, whether you want to take medication or not, like, it's to do whatever feels most comfortable to you. I personally just didn't feel like I really needed it and my psychologist and therapist were both comfortable with me making that decision and also felt like I didn't need it, especially after my post-CBT sessions evaluation. So the CBT journey was back in 2018. It's been two years since and I am so relieved and proud of myself for taking that step into bettering myself and my mental health. I still have bad days and meltdowns to this day, but who doesn't? But I feel like I have grown tremendously in that I can control my behaviors and reactions when I am triggered by something. And in the event that I can't, which has happened maybe once or twice during quarantine, I keep reminding myself that this is temporary. We have the ability to change our outlook on the things we experience. It may be a lengthy journey, but dwelling on the things that you can't control or change is only adding more unnecessary stress to yourself. These things take time. You can't expect a quick fix and to feel normal again right away, but there is definitely a lot you can do to help guide yourself in the right direction. Surrounding yourself with things and people that support you and make you happy, doing things that you love, focusing your attention on things that you can control and contribute to your life positively. I've made posts about mental health before on social media and talk about this quite a lot with friends. So for those who have known me for a long time, you've probably seen me at my worst, but also on my come up. I really hope that for whoever is listening who has related to any of this or is currently going through a tough time, to remember that this feeling is truly temporary. You have the ability to redirect your focus on more positive things if you give yourself the willpower to do it. The more time you spend feeling sad for yourself, the more negative energy you put out in the world... And honestly, I'm a huge believer in the law of attraction because I've seen it happen time and time again with not only myself, but with others. The more negative energy you radiate, the more you will attract that into your life. I have some friends who will always complain about how shitty their life is and all the bad things that are happening. And trust me, I have done this a lot myself. That's why I believe it. And how 
these bad things just keep happening and then there's just this whole ball of negative energy spreading it onto other people and getting pissed at the smallest inconveniences so everything was just like a snowball effect of negative things happening to them because they kept projecting negative energy and this is all the person just inviting that all in the universe is like, okay, you're going to be negative about life, so if that's what you want, I will only put more roadblocks in your way. Easier said than done to choose to be happy, but if you really wanted it for yourself, you can make it happen. Any deflections of this is just welcoming more confirmation from the universe that you can't, and so that's what you'll inevitably get, making you eventually believe that there's no hope for you. If nobody has told you this yet today, you, the listener, you are a beautiful human. You are capable of achieving greatness. You have made it this far in life, meaning you have survived any and all obstacles that you thought you never could have made it out of. If you really want to change your life for the better, you can, but you have to put in the work and believe that you will because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. Nobody can help you if you don't choose to help yourself first. I'm a tough love type of person, so I'm sorry if any of this comes off harsh, but I truly want the best for everyone and anyone who is struggling through a tough time. You can get through this, and if you feel like you really can't, talk to someone you trust. My DMs are always open to anyone who needs someone to talk to as a friend. I will also be providing resources in the description and in my bio for those who are seeking help or want to learn more about CBT. <sighs> I know this week's episode is more of a long one, so I really appreciate you if you've made it this far. I can honestly dive in deeper into this topic and probably will in a future episode, but this I feel like was a good way to let you guys get to know me more on a deeper and personal level. And please, don't feel bad for me for what I went through. I've accepted it fully and I'm not shy about sharing this side of me to anyone. I truly believe I was meant to go through all of these things to learn very important life lessons and then share them with friends, family, strangers, and of course, my future little mini-me's. God forbid my little chickens ever go through as much as I did, but mama is here to tell you, fear not, we have the podcasts among many more stories to share. <laughs> as always, thank you so, so much for tuning into this episode of Breaking Bell. I will be posting new episodes every Wednesday, so don't forget to follow the podcast and my social media over on Instagram at bellnotbella for updates. Love you all and catch you at the next audio party.